This is Film Tank. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. We're going to make film history. Can you say that again? Just the way you say it. Baby, it's time to lose their head. They won't know what they're looking at, but why they like it, but they'll know they want it. again everyone and welcome in to episode 231 of our little podcast here called film tank as per usual alex deekman with you along with nick cheney hey hey there hi how's it going oh you know not too bad okay <laughs> that's all i got okay yep tucson egan also hey here. give me some hey. skin no, Ew. no, not right now. That's all right. Maybe in 2022. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good try. Yeah. Also, <laughs> our friend uh, rejoining us again for the like 13th time, which is great, Sam Shamara. Hey, <laughs> how's it going? Hi, Sam. Oh man, <laughs> you're, you're, I, I like it because now you're like full on just joining in our fun when you're on episodes. It's awesome. You're like, hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> Might as well. I mean, it's also. I think this time it's also the very cozy atmosphere of being at home too. So, yeah. not just in the recording studio. That's true. <laughs> the recording studio. Cool you made it sound so professional. I mean, I have to be a little fancy, I guess. I mean, you can't it's... ruin the illusion. It's a room that the has illusion. a designation. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we all appreciate that, Sam. So <laughs> I know You're I welcome. do. Yes. Well, welcome to everybody. And um, Sam, as always, thank you for, for joining us here. Thanks for having me join. All right. Uh, so on this episode, we are talking about a film that came out last year. So in 2019, yeah. and that film is called Knives and Skin. Uh, this was written and directed by Jennifer Reeder, uh, who's actually done quite a bit of things. A lot of shorts uh, over the last, I don't know, five or six years. Uh, and uh, this was... I don't know about being a breakout role, but it's probably one of the first things that uh, people noticed her for. So, again, this film came out late last year uh, and starred people that mostly are unknown, uh, including Kate Arrington, Tim Hooper, uh, Marika Engelhart, uh, Ty Olwyn. And Grace Smith. So this film uh, surrounds a, uh, or is a mystical teen noir that follows a young girl's disappearance in the rural Midwest and its effects on teens and 
parents. So pretty good. Uh, yeah. Pretty good, pretty good synopsis. I mean, like right. cons- considering the film itself, like the nature of the film itself, it's very uh, uh, comprehensible. Yeah, it, they, they've done worse yeah. at IMDb. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Sam is the one who suggested this episode, and I know that technically you're the guest, but I kind of wanted to put you on the spot because I had two questions. A, what are your initial thoughts? And B, uh, and you might want to answer this first, what led you to uh, suggest this film that uh, I believe you had not seen before? I feel like the you translation are- there was, how could you? <laughs> Why did I do this to you guys? I, I, think it, I think it was more, how dare you? Okay, I mean, I, this is a little sneak preview, but I feel like the three of you are going to have some positive thoughts on this film, and I'm going to be I, in a different camp. I have some thoughts on this film. I don't know if they're positive or negative, but uh, I, I, do, I certainly have thoughts. Yes. Okay. I second that. Um, <laughs> primarily what drew me to this is, um, how, let's see, how do I phrase it? Um, I, when watching the trailer, I was actually more intrigued with the cinematography than anything else. Um, the story was kind of second hand um, or like the, the second reason I was like, eh, let's see what the, what can be done with this. Um, a girl goes missing. Um, you know, I'm intrigued to find, you know, what ends up happening. Um, but it was definitely the the cinematography that I wanted to see more of. And I wanted to see kind of the the breadth of it. Um, I can't say that I liked this film as much as I thought I would, um, which kind of disappointed me. Um, I think I also had much higher expectations, um, though similarly at the same time, I think that I, I found something different about it that I didn't think I would recognize. Um, so this, a lot of this felt like vignettes to me. Um, so to the point of like, you have moments on a stage, um, and you have, you know, very, um, blunt mood lighting. Um, and then it kind of cuts and it goes elsewhere. And, um, especially I can't remember, I think it was the very final end, um, where the way that the camera pans happened and the way that the lights were, were set, um, it looked like you were watching some sort of like, um, statuesque, um, moment that would have been, you know, I can imagine it set up on a theatrical stage, um, with lights coming up, like, and just going to each family and kind of like highlighting them each. Um, so I think if anything, I would rather see this done on stage, um, because I'd be intrigued to see like what could be done with like set and especially with the lighting. Um, but all that fanciness aside, I was not impressed with the acting. And I don't know if that's because that was the directorial perspective that they kind of wanted them to be robotic, uh, and, and lack of, um, 
emotion for the most part. I think the only time that I felt any sort of genuine emotion coming from a character was um, Marika, um, the who played um, Carolyn's mother. Um, and it was her sitting at the table with the three girls towards the very end as the cake is like melting on the table. Um, and her talking about, you know, I, you know, I'm worried that I'm going to forget her, that I'm going to forget the way that, you know, her teeth were crooked. Um, and like that, or not, not that her teeth were crooked, um, that like the, the way something about her teeth being a different size and then like her little toe being crooked and things like that. Um, and I think the reason why I enjoyed that moment was because there was something very, um, raw about that, um, performance. And I would have liked to see more of that throughout the film. Um, but, uh, initial thoughts, uh, I did not anticipate it to go where it went. And I am still trying to figure out if I'm okay with that or if I'm disappointed with it. So my initial impression of this film uh, was very different from what I actually got out of it. Like from the, the initial trailer when I saw it with like the, the sort of lighting and the sound design i thought it was going to be more of a horror film like an explicit horror film with like this dead girl trope and a heavy emphasis on aesthetics and i think that that does come through um especially in this film both to its benefit and also to its uh to its weakness and i'll explain that a little bit later um but the initial opening like hour like initial opening like minutes of the film I didn't know what the hell was going on. I, I thought this was going to be some type of like kitschy, like perhaps maybe sci-fi horror sort of thing. It was nothing like that at all. Um, the death of Caroline as a character um, that sort of like launches this entire film is sort of an afterthought. And instead, like what, what Sam said, it just becomes this sort of like collection of vignettes uh, unofficial vignettes that sort of like peer into the lives of the sort of amorphous social group of of young uh, adolescent teenage uh, girls and women, uh, not quite girls, not quite women, uh, who sort of like surround the sort of uh, the, the radius of, of her missing, of, of Caroline going missing and potentially being dead. Um, there was one quote in the film that sort of won me over and sort or not so much won me over but sort of just like burrowed its way into my mind and sort of sat with me for the rest of the film and i feel like this inadvertently is sort of like a a peripheral mission statement about what knives and skin is about like what the actual like plot is and it was when i can't remember any of these characters names but it was like one of the girls was having this dress uh that was being tried on right this pink dress uh by another character and i think they were talking about boys for some reason like who they were dating or who they were seeing or something like that and um this girl who was basically like sizing her up and like making sure that she was fitted for her dress was just like oh yeah it's like i guess you're a 
a cunty slut, huh? And I'm just like, no, I'm not a cunty slut. Well, I guess you're, then you're a bitchy tease. And I was like, I'm not that either. And then she sort of just pauses and steps back away from her and goes, well, if you're not a cunty slut and you aren't a bitchy tease, what are you? And she replies that I'm neither, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. And then the other girl pauses for a beat and says, yeah, me too. And to me, that was so abrasive and so like outside of the tone of what that conversation actually was. Like I was trying to read why was this girl so angry and accusing, like, like talking back to her in such an accusative way. And then I realized that in the world of knives and skin, like there is no in between for these girls who are very much in this transitional phase of their lives. And that so much of the, that these girls are, are in, in the middle of a, a very significant period of their life where they are deciding who they want to be and sort of coming into not only their identity as, as people, but their identity as, as, um, as sexual beings. And so often is it the case that women do not have a say in, in how they are perceived that, that they maybe they, they go through puberty and their, their body is going through this transformation and they have other people who are sort of imposing their own readings and their own impressions of them by the way that they dress and by the and by the changes that have occurred within their body that they have no control over and that people are so quick to leap into defining who they are before they really had a had a period to really just sit with themselves and decide what is it that they want to be going forward for their life, at least in this initial phase of, the, of, of, of their life. And something about that just really, really struck me. Um, I can't say that I, I, it speaks to my lived experience. Uh, I can't speak to my lived experience because I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a cisgendered uh, hetero male. Um, I, don't, I don't know what, what it's like to sort of like go through that kind of scrutiny and you see how like the different like female characters are like they change and they react to that sort of scrutiny and i feel like that that disaffection that sort of muted response is in effect a a survival mechanism in order to um to insulate themselves or to anesthetize themselves from the 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 raw bruntness of the assault on their personhood that is being afflicted on them throughout the course of the film in, in different ways, like then in, in, in various different ways. Like we see what happens to Caroline at the beginning of, sorry about that. Sorry about that. We see what happens to Caroline, um, at uh, at the beginning of the film, where she is basically uh, engaging in this sort of tryst with this asshole older brother of one of the other characters, um, and um, she he basically like just leaves her behind and 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 like just dis, dis, uh, discards her the moment that she decides to not consent and just like 
leaves her out in the middle of nowhere where a undiagnosed medical condition just ends up claiming her life. And I feel like that in a way sort of mirrors the, the sort of fraught situation that I know that a lot of my, my female friends and acquaintances have encountered in the past where um, they've had to sort of like thread a needle as to how to respond to a, uh, a potential partner or, or whatever for fear that they, they, they might be assaulted or, or they, they might be, be hurt. I, I, it's, it's just an entirely different social dynamic that I, 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 I've, that I, 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 that again, that me being who I am, I can't really, uh, fully understand that, that, that mindset, but it, it it's, I empathize with it and, I, and it, and it, uh, and it breaks my heart. And that's sort of the feeling that I got from like watching this film and also just the feeling of being stranded in a, in a place and a time in your life, you know, high school as much is as much a place as it is a time in your life and wondering if there's anything else out there for you than just this present moment where it just feels like a gravitational sinkhole where, uh, you're growing up so fast and yet the world is moving so slow around you and you just, you're, you're just trying to build up enough momentum and velocity just to escape. Um, that's sort of the impression that I got from the film. I won't say that I entirely enjoyed it. Um, but I, I, the message that I sort of got from the film really struck home for me. And if anything, I think that the aesthetic, as much as it's trying to sort of play up, this sort of ethereal, like um, magical realist sort of dreamscape sort of vibe um, where every single house and nearly every single location, like a darkened location is lit with this same sort of like color palette of uh, the sort of like bisexual lighting, whatever lighting you want to call it, uh, throwback, like nostalgia, like horror vibe lighting. Uh, I feel like it almost gets in the way because it's just so coded to a, a, a particular genre that it, it, it invites uh, uh, an entirely contrary uh, reading to what it actually is trying to like put across. Uh, it looks pretty, but it doesn't really serve the film. Uh, it, 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 it serves, it, it's, it's not served enough, it does not serve the film enough to, to compensate for the drawbacks of invoking that aesthetic. So I guess in a way, uh, sort of circling and tying everything back into sort of like my final like thoughts, uh, I guess this did turn out to be a, a horror film and that's just the horror of being a adolescent woman trying to uh, navigate all of these sort of passive and active uh, threats to your life. And if anything, it's a tragedy, not because, uh, because Caroline had a, a, a dark secret that led to her death. The tragedy is that like she, her, 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 her life was no more tragic than the life of any other like teenage girl who happens to find themselves in a bad situation. She wasn't some like, like secret temptress. She wasn't a drug addict or anything like that. She was just a teenage girl trying to, um, just trying to live her life. And she, and, she doesn't need to have to be any of those things 
in order to make it a tragedy. And yeah, so those are my initial thoughts. Right on. I don't think Alex is going to be upset if I go next. No, please do. All right. I uh, got to admit that I quite enjoyed this. Um, I think the prevailing, uh, I don't know, attitude I got from this movie was a sense of uh, uncompromisingness, so to speak. Um, which is to say that while it's not perfect by any means, I walked away from this completely... Uh, having it in my mind that I saw something that was just so uh, uninfringed on when it comes to any sort of control outside of uh, the director, uh, Jennifer Render, Reader, I think. forget her name, unfortunately. Um, so that was the one thing. It's Reader. It's, it's Reader, Reader, sorry. No, no, no. I was hoping you would, so thank you. Uh, yeah, no, Jennifer Reader's touch and... Um, control over this entire thing I think is undeniable you, it doesn't mean you have to like it but I definitely think this is one of the honestly rare times when you can see that a director is in complete control of their craft and obviously that can make something harder to like because then it will not go out of its way to please anybody that does not you know gel with it and it's not uh that's not a problem as far as, like, you know, that's not on the viewer or on the director. Um, but it's exhilarating, I think, nonetheless, um, to witness. And luckily, I ended up liking it for the most part. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I loved it, but for the most part, I was really won over. I think the more it just went on, um, the more time passed, the more I feel like we got, if not to know these individual characters, um, to know about the kind of rotting decay at the center of this town that is certainly emphasized by the death of Carolyn. And what I liked was that <clears throat> this is one of the saddest, I think, high school films I've ever seen. And that's not often done without some kind of like, I don't know, cancer storyline or just something maudlin i agree yeah and that's that in and of itself is unique we see a lot of teen comedies we see a lot of teen you know whatever but um this is something that's pretty unique not wholly original as it does i think crib a lot from the atmosphere of something like twin peaks but i never saw that as a flaw because it had its own uh you know, had his own mind. It, it was all. It was certainly inspired by, but was in no way uh, beholden to something like Lynchian's uh, seminal television series. Um, but this was also unapologetically uh, feminine. Um, the characters in this movie are all women, and the ones who are not are not all that important uh, for the most part and are relegated to very side roles and are often <laughs> put in their place and yet it never really comes across as a quote-unquote agenda. This feels like more of like as a perspective movie and that we are seeing this from the perspective of the people who are usually uh, victimized in some way by the uh, aggressors and in this case a lot of males. Um, but it's also not as universal as that either. I mean, obviously, the storyline with the fake baby 
Um, there's a lot of deep-seated <laughs> issues there that really are wholly and uniquely uh, the mother's. Um, but it's just such a messy movie, and I think that's what ultimately I, I liked about it. The, the storyline with the mother who has gone a little... I don't know if I ever explicitly stated, but kind of gone a little recluse and uh, a little mentally unstable. Um, but the way she owns up to both her and her husband's parts in uh, the dissolution of their marriage and the happiness that may have been there once upon a time, I thought was actually pretty poignant, especially the way she kind of passes that down to her child. Um, I think that's always going to be a theme that I always love uh, in any coming-of-age story where, uh, you know, for me at least, I feel like children don't come of age because of what they find in themselves. I think, honestly, a lot of times they come of age because they find out that their parents really don't have anything to offer them like they thought they did. And obviously that runs rampant throughout this movie as we see a lot of parental figures uh, utterly failing in so many regards, both in uh, the nurturing of their children and also in just the nurturing of their own relationships with each other and whatnot. So... Um, that kind of, you know, they're at a, they're at a time in their life when they could probably use them the most, and that's also when they're going to basically have the biggest potential to fail them. And I'm probably always going to find some poignancy in that, as I did in this movie as well. Um, I personally got on the wavelength with its visual palette, and especially its soundscape. I, I absolutely love the score throughout the entire film, and I thought it always complemented um, what was happening and probably was the film's best asset for me. Like if I closed my eyes and just listened to the entire film, I would have been just as happy. But um, I also think the the visuals of the movie itself added to it. Um, but uh, I'll I'll end by saying I think what solidified my opinion of this movie was that honestly I'm kind of a sucker. If a movie nails its final moment, then sometimes that's all it takes for me to firm up an otherwise loose uh, perspective and or opinion. And for me, um, I will admit that I was extremely taken by the shot of the um, Carolyn's mother finding her glasses and putting them on. Um, that, as a profound sense of imagery, and added to the movie that was kind of lacking thereof in a way that tied all of its weird tendencies together for me. And it was I wouldn't say it was fourth wall breaking, but it almost leaped across the screen uh, in a way to to suggest that this is all kind of ethereal to begin with. But you know, for someone who was so lost because of the loss of her daughter, um, and who was you know very creepily mourning the loss by trying to look like her, I just found that there was a lot of profundity in the um, or profundity uh, in the. Uh, the simple visual metaphor of her, instead of trying to look like her, finally starting to look through her perspective. And maybe that's the one gift that Carolyn can unfortunately pass on to someone who uh, will, will need it moving forward. And uh, connecting a mother and daughter through space and time that was unfortunately not able to be done during her lifetime. Um, so that coupled with a smash cut to the credits well not smash cut but the the cut to credits with the song i i was ultimately over 
won over it by. So I thought it was a, a pretty good movie. It's going to be one that I'm going to think about for a long time, which I think is the ultimate sign of why I liked it, you know? Because certainly at times I was thinking, like, do I like this? Why do I like this? What not? But at the end of the day, some things are just undeniable, whereas if I can't articulate it, um, it's not necessarily a... A bug and instead maybe sometimes it's a feature it's just something that lives inside of you and much like high school um it's a mess it's kind of sucks at times but uh, i don't think anyone watches it or goes through it without being changed in some way for sure very good <laughs> well uh I thought this was terrible. <laughs> Such as uh, high school. I was going to say, to be fair, some people hate their high school, too. Yeah. I didn't hate my high school I'm experience. Uh-huh. Oh, Shout out to Brian. Anybody would. <laughs> he was actually one of my teachers uh, in high school, believe it or not. So, yeah. yeah. For real. But no, actually, I thought this was awful. Um uh, I think part of my problem with this film is that my concept, or my my perception in the first five minutes was that oh god, this is going to be everything that I hate in a movie, and then it was for the first fifteen minutes, and then my brain was just like oh god, what happened? And then as it kept going on, I just kept thinking the same exact thing. And I never got over it. I did not think that this was very good. Um, this is definitely not for me. This kind of storytelling is not something that I gravitate towards. And I appreciate a lot of the messages in this, but I have to admit, I was rolling my eyes at so many points throughout this film. I was too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the, I, yeah. I was gonna say just just the fact that um, I really picked up on the uh, pretty early on, probably in the first like twelve minutes, that the characters in this film are pretty much wearing the same outfits that are what other people think of them throughout the entirety of the film, like the girls who are dressed in the cheerleader outfits uh, or Carolyn, uh, like has to have her band outfit on uh, and her glasses. And and, the, 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 and I, I'm all for that um, being imagery, uh, but I feel like it's just so heavy-handed here. Uh, and another thing, too, that, that I, I just could not get on board with the dialogue in this film, and uh, maybe I just don't like certain kinds of artistic expression. And that's okay, because people can look at a painting and some people can love it and some people could just despise it. And I certainly thought there were some parts of this film that were okay. And, and I, I liked a couple things about it, but I just didn't care for this. I could not get interested in any aspect of this film from start to finish. And it was, um, it was too bad because I do feel like that there was something here and I, I hear it through what you guys are saying about this film and your positive uh, feedback on certain parts of the film. And 
uh, you know, Tucson and Nick seemed like you both quite enjoyed this, uh, especially Nick. But for me, I just felt like this was a chore and uh, I didn't, I didn't love uh, dialogue. I didn't love the structure. And I certainly thought that some of the moments here, in fact, a lot of the moments were cringe inducing in terms of the way that it was set up, the message it was trying to deliver uh, and just uh, the film. Like, I don't know, looking back on it, like, okay, so uh, the guy who is having an affair the woman who is faking her pregnancy he's like obsessively trying to grab her belly while he is um performing oral sex on her right and she's in clown makeup with his pink wig on that he was like perming at the dinner table earlier on in the film and she's like trying to press him away and it actually totally does make sense that she's trying to push him away because she's faking this pregnancy but um i don't know like just the idea of him having the clown makeup on and then like having to have that on when he's with her i i understand what it's going for but the second scene where he had that on and he's meeting with her i'm like okay like this like it just has to be that way because he cannot see her and not have his frowny face clown makeup on like uh, i don't know i just I, it just didn't jive with me but and... doctor i am pagliacci <laughs> oh yeah yeah i remember that oh uh, boy yeah. good reference good drop good yeah drop. it was a good drop uh yeah so i i've uh, got other you thoughts. wouldn't get it <laughs> okay yeah. um I will say uh, the one part of this film that I thought was absolutely exceptional uh, was the, and I actually thought a lot of the singing in this film was awful, uh, but um, the... Like when uh, the the one uh, character is like, you can sing? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. A lot of the, because there are, I think, I think there are four or five songs that are in this film uh, a couple of them are in the choir room, which those scenes were all, both of them were awful. Uh, but uh, the scene that starts with Carolyn laying on the ground and the coloring that's like bleeding into her hair. Uh, I, I can't remember what song that is, uh, that all the characters pretty much come in and out of their thing. But I thought that scene was actually pretty great. Um, other than that, I, I didn't have much for this film. So uh, I'll have some thoughts here and there, but uh, this, this just wasn't for me. It seemed a little uh, Magnolia-esque because while they were obviously singing throughout, that um, that was one of the few times where I thought she was uh, Jennifer Reading was aping something without adding to it. I could understand that. Uh, again, the the only part of that scene that I thought was super exceptional was probably Carolyn and the way like that you could see like the grass yeah. melting into her hair. Um, I, I appreciate a lot of the other parts, but again, uh, I thought all the other thing was awful. So maybe that's me bringing that up just because I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's one thing I found interesting about the script of this movie, um, was 
there are a lot of moments. Now, Alex, you accidentally, or not accidentally, but you mentioned one earlier that kind of ties into this. But there are a lot of moments that actually make me want to rewatch this movie, and I'm not saying, like, anybody will have to, or anything like that, to understand it or anything like that. But um, there are a lot of moments that I don't feel like the viewer truly puts together how, if not important, but how significant they might be later on that kind of recontextualizes conversations you've already seen before. Um, obviously, Alec, you kind of brought up a, a small example as far as him playing with the wig and how, you know, we see what he'll be doing with it later. Um, but there are a few other things that I thought were interesting with, I mean, you, um, with like the, uh, putting the hand off the belly or, um, you know, when, uh, when the one lesbian is with the jock in the car and she's like, I don't like it when you do that. He's like, what? And she's like, touch me. And, um, you know, little things like that, where I feel like your first pass through this, everything seems so stilted in a sense where you think that it's being obtusely contrarian, I think, when in reality, it's just that everybody in this movie, nobody is allowed to be themselves. So therefore, their actions and their dialogue is going to come off as forced and um, slightly infuriating almost. Uh, but the more you watch it, the more you start to see exactly what it is masking. Um, I also have a random question for everybody, but um, did we get the impression that the clown guy... Uh, knew that the baby was fake the whole time, right? When he said, like, I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. I mean, I hope he does. Okay. I was just curious. Like, he like, was the I, only one uh, who knew because he was continually eating her out. And on it, Honestly, there there was so much going on with regards to that that I didn't even pick up on that. But, yeah, that makes sense. I, and that's the yeah. thing, is, like, when that moment happened, it was, like, ten minutes later, I'm like, wait, I'm dumb and I'm not that, oh. So that's why I do think a rewatch would not necessarily sway anybody, but would at least um, highlight certain things. I have a question for everybody, and th this is, again, as someone who did not like the film, uh, I've got plenty of critiques, but this is an <laughs> actual legitimate question of asking about what the film is trying to say, not about what anyone thinks about it. What's the film going for in the idea that no one is going out of their way to look for her when they know she's missing? Like they have that big search for her. Like it has to be at least like 10 days after the fact. Why is nobody doing that right away and what message is that trying to convey in this film i guess people just assume that she ran away which is really fucked up um that it that it's that blase i feel like the only person who was looking for her at that point is the the sheriff um and yeah it is very bizarre that the actual search the actual manhunt itself doesn't happen until like many many days after the fact i can't even like recall like how far into the film it is i feel like it's like right before maybe the third act of the film so so emily made a a, a very um obvious but also very honest comment 
because uh, she was coming in and out of watching this with me. She was also not feeling this. Yeah. Um, but she said, uh, okay, white girl missing. They would be, have a search party out after like 12 hours. and It's true. Um, I, th- I was going to say, I think that's probably right. But I also think that's probably what most people's perception would be. Um, but is that realistically what actually happens if, if a teenager goes missing? I, I don't know the answer to that. I think, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I, th- I think I honestly believe that I would be within like, uh, like within 48 hours, there has to be something. So I guess for me, uh, when this trope happens in movies, whether it's like Twin Peaks or something, um, it's always a one-to-one analog of, you know, the death of the person uh, is what awakens a lot of people's existential crises and whatnot and self-exploration. So um, for the movie to state outright in the opening scene what happened to her, so the search is literally not important for the audience um, as a narrative tool, um, and for the community at large to essentially ha- have it be a throwaway thing that doesn't even happen when it should, I think is very much a more of a visual cue and a metaphor for the fact that um, these kind of tragedy, uh, you know, kiss-by-death type things that happened in a community, especially a rural small town like this, um, is basically just beckons for self-exploration that none of these characters are wanting to do but are slowly being forced to do. Okay. Yeah. I I could buy that. I just... I just felt like the fact they went out of their way to include a very large uh, community search so far after the fact seemed like it had to be trying to make some sort of statement. Uh, and, I, and I just couldn't pick up what exactly it was trying to say. It did remind me of a similar scene in Gone Girl, um, which I think... Is funny because obviously that movie there's something more going on um, than meets the eye when it comes to that search and whatnot, um, or at least as to what the people know versus what they want to find out. Um, I think just the overall the biggest thing I got from that was that 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 was just performative in nature. Like they had to at least they they didn't do it, then they realized well we have to at least do it so that way you know we can say we did it, um, and yeah. But I don't know that it necessarily means anything on an actual in-universe, you know, schedule. Okay. Uh, I have another question, Mm -hmm. just in general for the group. And it's weird because I feel like this is a very specific uh, thing in films that I pick up on. And uh, the other film that I'm going to reference, I think it's a little more... um, plausible uh that we talked about but it was also a film that i i believe sam was on sam did you do the black swan episode with us uh i know we were supposed to do it but then i don't think we were able to because we had to do different rescheduling 
Okay, because we have done a Black Swan episode, so I, okay. I can't remember if you were on it with us or not. Maybe I was. I don't recall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anymore. At, at any rate. But yes. <laughs> whenever we did the Black Swan episode, I brought up at some point the idea of um, Natalie Portman's character, of, of her mother um, making sexual advances towards her. And... I kind of got that vibe from Carolyn's mother in this film. Did anyone else pick up on that or am I just totally off base on that? I did not pick up on that. However, I did find their relationship very odd for lack of a better term. Um, Yeah. I definitely Uh, agree though. There's, I, and I didn't think about it until you mentioned it, but there's very, there's a very similar vibe to the way that Carolyn and her mother have a relationship as well as um, Natalie Portman's character has with her mother in Black Swan. It's very, um, there's a cloying Treating her like a little girl. And... Yeah, especially uh, like uh, the way that the room was set up, though I found. Yeah. I found the dichotomy of it very interesting where the mother, so like when the sheriff comes over and the mother says, you know, or he asks, you know, can I search her room? And he, and she's like, yeah, but you can't touch anything. Um, and that the mother is very concerned that, you know, well, we shouldn't be in here. We, this is her room. Um, which I found a very weird, I guess, reversal of parental roles um that I it felt she was a vampire <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought that I, that that's one of those fucking like red herring things that like made me think oh like why did she put that fucking mark on that guy's like forehead before like he left her like is she like a vampire does she have like psychic vampire powers or some shit like that like nope she's not and i'm just like well okay no it was um i yeah i found that very interesting as well I I think in general I found the like character relationships very off key. Um they mm-hmm. didn't to me they didn't seem extremely human. Um it, everything felt very disjointed. Everything felt very like you're still at arm's length from everybody else. Um I think the only exception is when the three girls are kind of, I think actually not just the three girls, but when they're on the rooftop looking out and they see the expressway and they're like, that's the only, you know, that's the only thing I need is to know that there's a way out of here. Um, and it, it, I guess it, it makes you question as to the dynamics of small towns. Um, but at that point, I don't know if that's necessarily a poignant conversation marker in this in this film. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I do like that scene set up as well. The referencing Sam when um, everyone just assumes that he's trying to commit suicide, but yet he's just trying to get a better view from a higher vantage point. Um, which also could just be him just making that up. 
and just saying whatever at that point. I mean, we don't really know because we don't really know much about these characters. I don't, I don't feel like it was a total um, fight because, like, when they were going around like talking about what their future plans were, he was particularly just very aloof about what his actual future plans were. It was like, oh, you'll see. I'm just like, hmm, we'll see what that is. I'm just like, hmm, interesting. I think you hit on something good, Alex, because there's no depth to these people. They're very two-dimensional. You know what sort of role they play, not only in their in their family, but in the film and in their town. Like, you can tell, like, oh, this is going to be... It. And I don't know if it's necessarily to a point, but that, like, they're typical or they're kind of, like... Um, stereotypical i but at the same time i don't think they're necessarily fit the niche perfectly i don't think they fit that mold as as perfectly as maybe like a sitcom would fit their characters hmm. yeah i feel like all of the characters here are very um in my opinion at least on a first pass it, from my viewpoint, at least, poorly written because they're very specific and very have very like, oh, this is this person's trait and this is all we're going to know about this person. But um, what maybe makes this film good, and again, I didn't care for it at all, but is that uh, I, I feel like anyone could see that and, and see something totally unique out of it and see uh, way more than just something very simplistic. Uh, I'm thinking of like example of like the uh, president or superintendent or whoever it is. Like the only character trait we know about him is he likes to purchase used underwear from females and he's buying it from a student, which is very, very, very fucking bizarre. Um, but, and that he wanted three bean salad and a small pop with no ice well, instead of actual food. He's particular. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that well, is a euphemism for, but I'm very terrified to. Oh, it's a euphemism for same. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. That was to me super simplistic. Um, and, and, and yet trying to be that character's entire definition, which is fine because that's a meaningless character in the grand scheme of things. But yet uh, I felt like that's how a lot of the characters were developed in this film. I think the depth of these characters is purely um, intentional. And I know that's probably a cheap form of uh, praise, but... I'll at least try to articulate why I think it's effective in some cases, like maybe this one as well, which is that I think when you take characters such as these, especially when the scope is uh, technically surrounding a, a small town, in this case a good dozen or so characters and whatnot, the, um, your message technically can sometimes get lost in the fray if you go too far in... Uh, in actually developing your characters because then it becomes a living, breathing thing and the messages can sometimes get skewed by the way you may relate to one character over another. And if the characters are only 
pronounced to uh you know to a certain degree like as they are here then it allows the viewer to take a step back and try to connect the dots between them and see where what kind of a picture emerges and for me i also think that the uh that it's it's not it's not badly written but underwritten with a purpose here because i think that in a lot of ways, we, we know so little about a lot of these characters because the one thing that none of these characters are doing um, is listening to each other. And that's one of their biggest ultimate f uh, failings, both as friends and as parents and as children. And if the movie itself is, um, I think, indicative of anything, it's, it's the need for um, the the emphasis of, I should say, of, of communication within a community, because otherwise everyone's going to slowly decay um, as their aspirations and desires are basically, you know, fraught with little to no flame, and it will die in the dark. That was very poetic. Well, thank you. Truly. Um, one thing... I did want to mention was the um oh boy what was it <laughs> you all right there <laughs> that's, that's the noise they make i think really that's the dial-up modem <laughs> okay. holy shit that's the that's the noise you make when you think. Yeah, <laughs> and P and other things. Oh, um, damn it! Now I forgot what I was gonna say or what I was even trying to think of. There was a thing though, but now I forgot. Oh well, life's too short. Truly. <laughs> I'm guessing we can go into final rating. I mean, I think we can kind of add to this by essentially emphasizing what we all got out of it. Okay. Unless anyone's got some last-minute uh, questions or concerns, hang-ups. No, I not know. in particular. Okay. Um, well, since I was... I'll go first, since okay. I feel like... Next stop being a dick. <laughs> he was interrupting you and I didn't like that. Continue, Alex. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Thank you, Jusam, for standing up for others. Yeah. That is good. Someone's, someone's got to do that. On this podcast. Well, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I will go first only because I was by far the most negative on this film out of everybody, even though I feel like Sam and Jusant didn't love it uh and nick was you know liked it but didn't love it either but at the same time i didn't care for this i i just ah, it's tough because although i do feel like this film would for sure benefit from a rewatch i just did not care for this at all and i will not be rewatching this um and so maybe it could gain some things but for me uh a lot of the way that this film communicates and a lot of the dialogue and the setting and 
a lot of the actions that happened throughout this just rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, and this film just gave me a really weird vibe. And, and I'm going to say this and it's going to come off super pejorative, but this is just the way that it felt to me. Like this felt like a super hipster film. Uh, and it, it was just very odd to watch the events play out and watch the story progress and i i do think that there are some some good things happening here i agree with sam that uh towards the end of the film the mother of carolyn and her uh scene with the girls towards the end after she's aware of what's transpired is actually heartfelt and, and there are other moments like that throughout this film but um, for me, I had a really hard time with the way that this went on, and it, it just didn't connect with me. So it's one out of five for me for Knives and Skin. I'll go next. Okay. Yeah. Um, everything that Alex said, uh, I can totally empathize with that. And to a degree, I, I sort of agree with. Um, this film did not work for me until the aforementioned moment that I uh, mentioned in my opening thoughts. And then uh, around sort of that like dialogue exchange, like the events and the meaning behind these events of, of these primarily uh, female characters began to sort of um, coalesce together for me. Like I began to understand what exactly was the through line that was tying these uh, these, uh, these 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 characters and their actions together. Um, I will say that I was more affected by the message of the film than I was by necessarily the film's execution on those themes. Um, I feel like, yeah, it definitely could do with a rewrite. I think that it could definitely do with a lot more subdued of an emphasis on the actual aesthetics of the film, which sounds crazy because that's part of what sort of like drew me in as a, as a viewer initially to even wanting to watch the film. But I just also feel like it sort of gets in the way of, of itself. Um, that said, uh, I also, um, uh, I, 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 I also support, uh, Alex's like assertion that this is definitely a film that uh, probably grows from a rewatch, but I don't see myself particularly enthused to the point of wanting to rewatch it again. Um, that being said, I do think that um, the assorted strengths and the weaknesses of this film sort of like come together in sort of a hodgepodge of I can't really necessarily square with whether the 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 sum is more, whether the film is more than the sum of its parts, or if it just sort of like falls together in the final analysis. It's, it's kind of hard for me to uh, um, like thread that needle with regard to how I feel about it. Although I do think that uh, if I were to recommend it, I would recommend it only with a couple of caveats and a couple of the caveats that have already been mentioned uh, in this, this review. With that said, um, I'm going to give this a three out of five. 
I'll go. Um, kind of piggybacking um, off of some of the things that both you, um, Tucson, and Alex had mentioned. Um, I, while I understand a second viewing would be good, uh, I don't necessarily think I want to watch it again. Um, this is not like. Uh, if it was on TV, um, I would probably see it and be like, oh, yeah, that one. And I'd go to the next channel. Um, it's there's. I think that while the underdevelopment is potentially um, done on purpose, I don't think it worked to the benefit of this film as a whole. Um, I think um, I believe it was you Toussaint who had said it, um, that, you know, you're more shocked by the theme or the, the message that comes across, um, because it came across in a different manner, um, than what you were anticipating. Um, or that, at least for me, I find the themes, um, or the messages that this reveals. Um, so like women, women finding the power of no, um, against others, um, and things like that. I think it's poignant and I appreciate that that's something that's being brought up in popular culture, um, especially in a film like this, but I don't think it was done in as smooth of a, a manner that it could have been. Um, aesthetically, this is very appealing. I am enamored with the, the lighting of, um, of these scenes and everything like that. But I'm also, I, I enjoy colorization of, of lights in, in scenes and on, on stage. Um, but I think, um, I think there's kind of a, there's something missing and I can't put my finger on it about why this film doesn't seem as cohesive as it could possibly be. Um, and I, um, and slightly disappointed because I had higher hopes for this film, um, especially seeing how beautiful um, the the cinematography portion of it was. Um, so I I would be interested to watch it potentially on stage with stronger actors and a more fleshed out storyline um, of some kind of having um, a little bit more than just these blips on a map, um, which is very much what it felt like, um, watching the film. Um, and especially with the relationships that these folks have. Um, I know Nick had mentioned that, you know, in this town, they don't communicate. Um, and I think that's very apparent. Um, unfortunately it doesn't work to the film's benefit to be so disjointed. Um, it almost is a, a downfall of it in my eyes. Um, so I, I'd be interested to see what else, um, Jennifer reader can do. Um, but I am not incredibly drawn to this film. Um, probably won't watch it again. Um, but there are certain positive aspects. Um, I, I think one of them is, uh, a thorough line that I, I found very powerful of, grief um and watching the mother kind of spiral out of control and um and 
come to a realization at the end. Um, I appreciate this realism of this because um, surrealism can be an interesting thing, an interesting beast uh, to try to um, combat and put into a, a setting. Um, but I think that I feel like in many ways. Um, so I know I had been on the podcast with you guys when we did the um, the film Us. Um, and, uh, I think we had mentioned in that one that it needed to be in the oven longer. It needed to cook a little bit more. Um, and I think for this film, it kind of needed that as well. I think it needed to, to ruminate a bit more. I think it needed a, a little bit more love and care and, and handling with it, um, to make it more poignant, um, so in in total, um, I would only give it a three um, out of five um, for those various reasons. Right on. Um, Sam, you mentioned the word uh, disjointed. Nicholas! <laughs> Hello there. Um, and, you know, one thing that you're probably responding to uh, is the fact that I have read that this well, I think he uh, he may have stepped away from there. there. <laughs> I guess yeah. that or he fell asleep. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I, I think maybe he uh, he stepped away for a minute. Oh, there he is. Oh, that's so weird. It's your turn. I always mute my mic on the mic, but somehow Skype got muted as well. Oh, well, there you I'm go. sure you oh, probably boy. just walked away and didn't want to listen to me. It's fine. No, no, no. I was actually talking to you. Um, but I was doing that thing he where I just keep talking. snoring as you were giving your review. That's good. What was weird was, like, I started talking, and then I heard Toussaint say, Nicholas, and so I thought he was just, like, cheering me on, because I went, yeah, buddy. Uh, <laughs> now, I, now I don't feel as cheered on. Anyway. Um, Nicholas! Oh, there it is. Yay. So, Sam, uh, <laughs> I'm going to repeat what I said. <laughs> You had said the word disjointed, which I think is very apt. And what's interesting about it is that that actually may have been um, not intentional, but uh, foundational because apparently she, Jennifer Reader, has made so many short films, obviously. And apparently this movie is the product of multiple short films she had made in which she kind of... Yeah. Uh, grafted onto this uh, murder mystery, not really mystery, but murder in a small town. And that's how we get this, these various subplots, um, sometimes not always connecting. So I definitely think that that is certainly something to the film's detriment, but is also baked into uh, its, you know, production to begin with. Um, I personally thought the disjointedness... Um, didn't quite deter me. I mean, it certainly, yeah, it does keep you at a arm's length. But um, at least for me, I it it worked on a very strange and uncomfortable level. Um, so yeah, I I thought this movie was pretty good. I I think the phrase I come out of this movie with is basically it's a tone poem. It's not a movie in which I find the characters fascinating so much as I find them. Um, to be molecules bouncing off of each other and trying to uh, refocus the microscope to see what this organism is, uh, you know. And the more I kind of play with it a little bit, 
the more I can start to make it out, at least what I interpret it to be. And, and the more I think it's actually profound. And um, it's, you know, it could be something as simple as just a little cell. But, you know, there's a lot going on here. And I feel like no one else has to like it because it's very um, off-putting at times. But for whatever reason, it uh, connected with me. And I'm probably going to watch this again one day. This is definitely the kind of movie that... Uh, Sarah and I usually try to force each other to watch not because the other person won't like it but because it's usually the kind of movie where you've seen it once you wanted to rewatch it so you use another person as an excuse to rewatch it like oh you should watch this movie even though I want to rewatch it and then you have a conversation about it afterwards so um so yeah I'll probably be rewatching this in my near future um I definitely think that what Alex said is apropos though which is that you're watching this and you like are hating the first 10 minutes i really don't think you need to keep going i normally don't advocate that i mean for movies in general because um you know if you start something um don't be a little bitch finish it um but (laughs) 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 but i uh but i would let people off the hook if they did not want to give uh two hours over to this um uh, I mean, I judge them, yeah. But uh, so yeah, for me, it's a three and a half out of five. I think it is um, fascinating on a message level, and I can't wait to kind of move the knob around and see what kind of frequencies it gives out. Um, if the more I engage with it, very good. <laughs> That's good. Ah, that was good. <laughs> ah, so uh, if you out there have any thoughts on this, and I, I think we'd love to hear people's thoughts on this film. Uh, I, we'd like to hear them on everyone, but uh, on Knives and Skin, for sure, um, feel free to send them to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter if they haven't been closed down by executive order uh, <laughs> at Film Tank Show. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a long four years, guys. It's been a long, long long week in four years. Yeah. (laughs) Very much. By the way, Alex, I know what film I would like to do. So if you want to announce it on air, you can, although it wouldn't really, it wouldn't really work because I would have to tell you what it is. Well, why don't you announce it on there then? Okay. <laughs> this is literally the first time that we're all hearing this, so let's let's. It better be good. It better be good, Nicholas. Okay. So, um, Ernest goes to camp. No, I was gonna say uh, Pier Paolo <laughs> Pasolini once made a film called Solo, or the Hundred and Twenty Days of Sodom. Stop! Stop I'm it! Kidding. No, we'll watch that one day, but not tomorrow, or not this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You can't just spring something on. We have to have a discussion about that before we go into that film. Oh, I know. We are going to watch it one Okay. I know. I've seen so many films that are actually worse that I would never make somebody watch. And anyway, anyway. Nick, that's not saying much. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying the sky's the limit. Um, now we are going to watch because I looked and it is available on Amazon Prime. Do you two have Amazon Prime? Yep. Alex? Yeah. All right. 
Uh, we are going to watch a... I know we do his movies a lot, but you know what? He makes good movies. Uh, we are going to watch a Martin Scorsese film. And we are going to watch Bringing Out the Dead, starring Nicolas Cage. I believe it came out in 1999, uh, in which Nicolas Cage plays a kind of insomniac uh, ambulance driver who's kind of going through an existential crisis as he drives the streets at night uh, during the night shift and witnesses uh, a lot of shit. I'm all on board for this. Uh, Yeah. One of the Scorsese films I haven't seen, so uh, and I know this is not in his gangster genre or anything, but um, the man does good work uh, almost every time out, so I'm and on board. It's a really good Nicolas Cage performance, and not one of his... I genuinely think he's a great actor. Like I'm not saying he's got an incredible range, I just think... What he can do, he does better than anybody else. And this is uh, one of those roles that he is very good in and not, uh, quote-unquote, you know, so bad it's good in. So. Okay. Yeah. It's good use of him. So, yeah, bringing out the dead. Well, we'll be looking forward to that on our next episode. Sam, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, as always. It's nice to connect with you guys again and um, talk film and and things like that. Yeah, maybe down the road here, uh, depending on how all this goes, we'll we'll actually get back in the studio one of these days. We'll see. Uh, I I don't know. That would be nice. That will (laughs) Yeah, I don't know when that's going to happen, but um, I, I would like to hope that it's sooner than later. And uh, see, it feels very fancy saying studio, doesn't it? Well, yes, but it, it is just a, <laughs> it's just a room with, you know, cheap carpet. But at the same time, um, you know, it's one of those things that, that you appreciate more. And, and these have been a lot of fun to do these Skype episodes when everyone's been spending a lot more time at home, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again and, and doing an episode where everyone can see each other's facial reactions and that kind of thing. So, and just, you know, be together, not just see everyone's facial reactions. Sorry, that was weird. <laughs> no, it definitely does help, especially like when we're each going through. I, sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm just talking to a brick wall and they're stone cold silent for a reason. There's no like agreeance whatsoever and my opinions are shit, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I always feel. <laughs> also, too, people can't just get up and go like grab a meal out of the refrigerator uh, and then come back when you're in the studio together. Like you have to own that. So it'll be a diff- it'll be a, it'll be an adjustment back when we get there. True. <laughs> well, uh, for Sam Shamara, Tucson Egan, Nick Cheney, myself, Alec Diegman, thank you very much for joining us as always here on Film Tank, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next time. Uh-huh.